I could go back and, and be a little bit more respectful when I was younger to people that were maybe senior of mine, a little bit more empathetic to people maybe or my colleagues that maybe just had life issues or family issues that they had to attend to as opposed to dedicating their whole lives to the racing team. I probably would have had a, a quicker learning curve, which maybe would have made me a better leader sooner. Welcome, Chad Canals, to The Bond, currently and relatively a new role, Vice President of Competition at Hendrick Motorsports. Obviously a 30-year, I guess about 30-year veteran of NASCAR, the only crew chief, of course, in history to win five consecutive NASCAR championships with Jimmy Johnson and seven total. Chad, thanks for joining today. Yeah, man, I'm excited to be here. It's going to be uh, gonna be fun chatting with you here for the next little bit. Yeah, and I know we we talked a little bit kind of offline about when when things are good, leadership uh, isn't easy, but is easier. And, and certainly flaws and styles sometimes get hidden or not exposed, but times aren't great out there in the world with COVID and everything else. And uh, for a Fortune 100 uh, CEO or a PTA president or a crew chief or a head coach of a professional sports organization, so wanted to dig in a little bit on your own leadership skills or flaws and changes along the way um, and the, kind of the, the type of leader you are and, and where, where you've learned that. So I want to start way back to when you were a kid and you've got a, certainly a, a family dynamic in racing. So I'm curious, um, was it dad that taught you to be a leader? Did you become a leader as a teenager helping on a car? Go, go back to the beginning for me. Man, I'll tell you, it's it's interesting. So yeah, my father was uh, was driving race cars in the Midwest, uh, late '60s, early '70s. I was born in '71, and as as I grew up around the environment, um, my father's success was growing at the same time. He went through a period of time where he was really doing it all through the summer months, multiple racetracks a week, uh, multiple states, multiple cities. Uh, multiple um, series. So there's a lot a lot going on that I kind of grew up around. And I realized working with my father, who was a stickler for the details uh, up there, that the details are what really matter. And we were very fortunate to win a bunch of championships, and a bunch of races and in the local level, um, a couple of national series championships, division championships, which was great. And all of this in my, my early teens, um, Back then, I think the thing that I started to identify with pretty quickly, not only did I enjoy working on race cars and I was reasonably good at it, but I under, started to understand the regiment that you needed to have from a maintenance schedule. I started to understand the regiment that you needed from a detail standpoint and how, how preventive maintenance and as, long, as well as uh, developmental tools and things that you need to implement into a car even on the, the local level with the small time racing can have a huge impact. You know, we shoot, man, we won a championship one year. I think uh, there was a 28 race series and we finished in the top two, 22 times. Right. And just, if you really stack that up and you think about, man, that's a pretty high percentage of zero failures or zero problems. Mm -hmm. So I started to see the rewards of that because some of the guys that we were racing against, they would just have mechanical problems or flaws, and then we would be able to capitalize on that. So, so yeah, I learned really early from my father the the need for a disciplined environment and and how to get in there and be productive in a very very competitive zone. Um, so that was pretty cool. And now myself personally, honestly, uh, I'm, I'm a very direct individual. Um, I, I I'm a very 
extroverted individual. Um, I, I don't wait a lot around for a lot of details. Uh, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of structure. You know, people may think that I'm highly organized. I'm really not. What I do is I put highly organized people around me and uh, that is that that works really well for me. And, and it has for years. And, and I'm very appreciative of the folks that have had to walk behind and pick up the shrapnel as I've walked uh, walked through a building. So but it's a uh, it's 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 definitely a passion of mine is is trying to become and, and be a better leader and, and know how to organize and work with these folks. How did how did you earn the respect when you were a teenager out there? Yeah, it's pretty easy in a competitive environment to have respect for people who have um, had accomplished had had success, accomplished goals. And in the environment that I was thrust into once I got into the cup area, it was we were surrounded by those kinds of people, people that had won races, won championships, uh, uh, years in the industry, things of that, that nature. It took a little bit for me to understand that even the people that, that weren't always the ones that had won trophies and brought home the checkered flags still needed to have that type of respect. And then once I realized early on, you know, you give the respect to those folks, man, guess what? They give you that same respect back. And, one guy that's that's taught me just a tremendous amount is Rick Hendrick, and he is probably one of the most amazing leaders I've ever seen in my life. Um, his ability to spot talent, his ability to put people together to work together well, uh, his ability to to nurture uh, folks and, and grow them is just absolutely amazing. Now he his style is 180 for mine. He is a very paced individual. He's very, very slow to react. He, he likes to let things play out naturally. I think that's why he likes having me around because I'm the exact opposite and I'm gonna go get things done and we'll, we'll, we'll if it doesn't work, we'll pivot and we'll do something else, right? So he, he, but he has really complimented my style and taught me how to work with so many folks of, of just different different demeanors. And, and, and everybody's a little bit different, right? The, Everybody's done emotional quotient tests, right? Everybody's been involved in all of those. And then we all, trust me, I, I, I embed myself in that because I think that's what drives the communication level if you know how somebody is on the inside. Um, because what you are on the inside isn't always what you put out there on the outside, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And in addition to Rick, when you started on the NASCAR circuit almost 30 years ago, yeah. who, who, was, who was somebody else out there that took you under their wing or someone you looked up to and asked questions weekly at the track or just kind of, modeled what you were doing modeling what they were doing yeah there there were a ton um first and foremost we can say who would be my first real uh big time crew chief when i was starting at hendrick motorsports was ray evernham uh, obviously now for those that, that are into the racing scene know that you know he's an accomplished car owner a multi-time champion uh, a guy that's that's had a lot of success in our industry uh, ray on on the opposite spectrum of of mr hendrick is more like myself very direct very quick to to make a decision a little bit different a little bit more difficult to control than than even myself even it is 60 something years old now i can tell you that he's he's still a firecracker um so ray was a huge influence on once again uh, reaffirming my 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 emotions on you can be direct you can get things done you can push people um, but but he did push people to flame out an awful lot, and you've got you've got to learn how to, to to temper that. So Mr. Hendrick helped with that. Jimmy Johnson, you know, I'll, I'm gonna stay pretty close to home on some of this, but uh, but Jimmy Johnson is a guy that taught me uh, how to lead from the heart, 
Uh, I've been all business my whole life. Uh, with my father working in racing, everything's performance, everything's business, everything is performance oriented. And, and Jimmy was the exact opposite. Huge, huge performer, right? Like the guy gets it done. He can, he can drive a race car. He can, he can conduct himself in any type of environment, but he leads from his heart. And that's a way different place than, than a lot of us are comfortable from leading. Uh, because if you're going to lead from your heart, you're going to be exposed, right? And then that's where I think a lot of leaders really don't don't want to expose themselves to their teammates, right? They don't want to expose the, that they may have a chink in the armor or they may have something that they're sensitive to or what have you. And, and man, Jimmy just taught me that, look, you can do it. You know, if you, if you show that you're vulnerable, they'll show that they're vulnerable as well. And then you can help. And that's, that's been a big aspect. Uh, aspect of my leadership style now and probably the last five years of my, my career is for years, I never let anybody into my, my, my circle or my home life or knew about my family or, or anything that happened once I left Hendrick Motorsports. Now I share as much as I possibly can, because I think it makes you appear real to people. And uh, when you get that people then are, have empathy and sympathy for your environment as much as you do theirs. And stay there with Jimmy. Is is a crew chief driver relationship more like a head coach quarterback relationship, or more like co captains relationship? There's that's a great question, and that's been a, a question that, that Jimmy and I have been asked multiple times throughout our career. Uh, our relationship and the way that we were structured, um, it was kind of a head coach quarterback type situation. Um, but even those are different dynamics, right? You know, if you look at some of the best quarterbacks out there, you, know, you, you could say that they're basically the head coach of the offensive group, right? Um, Jimmy was a little different. Um, he, he really was um, the guy that, that took direction very well, um, was, was very willing to be pushed, uh, very willing to listen and, and be directed by, by me which was great. That was a great combination for us because I wanted it. I wanted the responsibility. I wanted the weight on my shoulders. I wanted to be the guy making the call. And all he wanted to do was go fast. <laughs> and, and he did a hell of a damn good job of that, right? So uh, our, our partnership was just phenomenal, especially through the middle 2000s and, and teens, right? It was just, it was just spectacular. So um, that's, that's the way we conduct another different, there's different styles for different folks, right? If, if Jimmy, Jimmy being as talented as he is, if he had had a different type of demeanor or a different want from his leadership abilities for the team, then I would have had to have morphed and changed into what, what he needed, but it just so happened to fit perfectly. Yeah, and obviously a lot of the leadership from a crew chief takes place during the week, but it's highlighted to the public for three hours every yeah. Sunday. There's a lot of the world right now that is doing leadership remotely, yeah. and, but that's what you guys do every week. So. The difference for you of, you know, in the garage for the week leading a team, but then for three hours, the person, your quarterback, you don't get to see. It's just a voice. So the tone in the voice, when to say things, when not to, those yeah. differences. Yeah, it's a challenge. <clears throat> so we went through a period just like the rest of the world where we were quarantined and nobody came into the the, the facility and we were you know, we, we had engineers that were working online with me daily. We had uh, mechanics that, 
you know, didn't have anything to mechanic on, you know, so they were just kind of waiting at home. We had pit crew members that, that, that needed to continue to train. So they were doing uh, physical training outside in their yards, pull-ups, push-ups, running sprints, doing all the things that they need to do in their own, own worlds, right? And I'm a big team guy. Like I, I've, I'm very fortunate that I've always been part of a team. Like I said, my, my, my father, he had his guys and I was part of the guys and I've always had this group and these guys. Like in, when you've got your guys, and I mean that, you know, male or female, but when you got your guys yep. and your team, and you feel like you can do anything, right? You know who you can call. You got that person. You know, there's a 911. You got to call this guy or this gal, whatever, to get it done. You've always got that. Well, when COVID hit and everybody had to go home, everybody lost their guys. Everybody mm-hmm. lost their team. They were still there. So one thing that we did that I thought was pretty, pretty interesting, because we had some new team members on our uh, on the 24 car. We went through and we created a uh, a phone tree. And there's about 50 people on this. So what we did is every day, one person on the team, whoever that person was, called somebody new on the team and they spoke. They told them their life story, okay? So, so what I did is I created a, a quick outline um, for them about where you were, when, where you went to high school, what you did after high school, what you do for racing, what your mom and dad like, blah, blah, blah. All the guys kind of a cheat sheet. And I, you know, I was given some guidance on this from a guy that helps coach me and distributed that to all the folks they filled that out and they used that outline to start a conversation starter. And it was the most amazing thing to see the bond of this team grow in the absence of any team environment. Um, started off, I, I did the first couple just to kind of get the guys in the flow of it. And I just pulled my pants down, man. I just told everybody everything. And they in tune did the same thing with the next group and the next group and the next group. And the next thing you know, these conversations are lasting like two and a half hours. You know, where, where they started, they were like 30 minutes. And the feedback was just phenomenal, just absolutely phenomenal. So that's, that's something that we learned during COVID that was really good to kind of help bolster the team environment. Now to, to, to fast forward about once we get back to work and we're working here in the, the facility at Hendrick Motorsports and building the race cars and then we go to the racetrack and then the driver shows up and just kind of hops in the car and goes because there's no practice, there's no orientation, nothing. What, what you've really got to do is you've got to make sure that there's a huge trust factor right there huge. So that the only way to have trust is to make sure that the person that you're working with, you feel confident that they're doing their diligence, they're doing their research, they're doing what it is that they need to do to contribute to the betterment of the the environment. And if you do that, and you show that consistently, and you do the right things consistently, it's really easy to have that dialogue with somebody that you can't really see. Um, if, if, If I tell William, for instance, this year, hey, I feel like that you're using too much brake pressure rolling into the third turn. And I can see that in the data. And he knows that he has seen me say that in the past. And I've been able to show that to him offline. He's going to believe me and he's going to try to adjust. That's that trust factor is something that's really difficult to get. Um, but, but, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's something that just happens over time, you know, you know, there's three things in life that you can't buy, right? Trust, love, and respect. All of those have to be earned. And if you can get those with somebody, then you've got somebody for life. Hmm. And speaking of Hendrick, uh, new role for you. Yeah. Different type of leadership, more desk job than sitting there with uh, a radio. But what, yeah. how are you? How will you lead differently with this different. type of environment? Yeah. It is different. Um, 
as you as you change roles and transition, you got you got to change your ways. And and I'm trying to get that figured out a little bit, honestly, right now. Um, definitely more meetings. Uh, as you could probably guess, I'm not a guy that likes to sit in a meeting room, um, but there's a lot of meetings that need to be had. Uh, I'm I'm working my way through that. The thing that that I'm really trying to get my head wrapped around right now, and it's is making sure that I've got a good understanding of the capabilities of the the people that work directly for me that really control the the masses, right? Uh, making sure I really have a good understanding where our crew chiefs strengths and weaknesses are make sure i have a really good understanding where our, our lead fabricators and our department heads where their strengths are so that we go forward with a good solid communicative direction and it, it, once once i get all that squared away i think it's going to be a whole lot of fun but right now it's a whole lot of dang meetings um, mm. a whole lot I was telling somebody just yesterday I was in meetings all afternoon and I got out of uh, the last meeting at 6:30 sat down at my desk and I had 101 emails that need to be read and I'm just like this is insane so I'm I'm a guy that man send me an email if you want to just you know give me communicate something but if 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 you really want to get a situation figured out you got to come see me face to face cuz that's how you make decisions and and I want to close with what what it what you know, you'll tell yourself something 20 years ago. What have you learned in leadership along the way that if it was 1991 all over again and you walked into a NASCAR pit or you're a crew chief, yeah. what would you have done differently that would have just made your life easier? You know, that's a really tough question. I've been asked something similar uh, just, just the other day. And, and right now you sit back and you think, man, I would have done this. I would have way more empathy. I would have way more sympathy for the guys situation or I wouldn't have been quite as erratic or I wouldn't have done this or I wouldn't have done that. In me as the person I am right now, that's exactly what I would say. I wish I was more empathetic. I wish I had more of an understanding of, of what people go through or go through in life because life does happen. Um, but then it was thrown right, right back on me. Why would you have done anything different? Would you have gotten to the same spot, right? So that was a really interesting twist to that same question. Um, but I do know that if I if I could go back and and be a little bit more respectful when I was younger to people that were maybe senior of mine, a little bit more empathetic to people maybe were my colleagues that maybe just had life issues or family issues that they had to attend to as opposed to dedicating their whole lives to the racing team, I probably would have had a, a quicker learning curve, which maybe would have made me a better leader sooner. And that's the bond. There's plenty more to come.